So my next guest, Justin Dixon, he's going to talk to us about how uh, he was in the right place at the right time for years straight, had the skill set and knowledge base needed to take advantage of these opportunities that were jumping in front of him, starting two different businesses, uh, recruiting people for companies, right, recruiting business, as well as uh, real estate investment and syndications, uh, basically straddling both industries or hopping back and forth as the opportunities and landscape change in each one. It's a really great story. You know, if you read between the lines and pay attention to the details, uh, you're going to see uh, just a, a brilliant um, manipulation of uh, identifying and taking advantages of opportunities as the landscape and economy change and, and leveraging your skill set and knowledge base in, the, uh, in doing so. So uh, great listen. Excited for you all to hear this. And so let's jump in. Dustin, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Excited. Cool, man. So look, I got... Um, I, I've seen a little bit of what you're doing there, and it's you know to, to me from where I'm looking, it looks like uh, you got a pretty long history in recruiting, um, and you're still doing that. And at the same time, you kind of got like this real estate syndication thing going on the side, which are two like really ambitious things to be doing. Um, and then at the same time, no less, man. So I'm really um, excited to hear your story. How did you get into? I mean. It's, it looks like you've been recruiting longer. So how did you get, you know, segue into being a real estate syndicator from doing that? And how are you managing both? That's what I'm most curious about. Take me, take me to the beginning, man. How, you know, yeah. what was that time when you were doing, uh, you know, recruiting and then getting into um, syndicating? Yeah. So um, I, I fell into recruiting just kind of right out of college, just fell into it. Um, didn't really know it existed as an industry. And haven't gotten out of it, um, right, rightly or wrongly. Um, but it was 2018. Uh, I was working as a corporate recruiter, so working in-house at a big Fortune 500 company and never had exposure to real estate. Uh, at that point, uh, my wife and I owned a condo in Philadelphia, but that was our only like real estate experience. And then um, I found the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, I was listening to it on my walk to work. Um, and when I got done with it, I was like, it was a light bulb. I'm like, we're, we're not doing it right. We need to figure out a different way to do it because I grew up in a you know middle-class family in a rural part of Pennsylvania. And the, the ethos was get a good job with a, a good company, invest in 401k, and hopefully you have enough money when you're 65 or 70 when you retire. Right. And so that was the path I was marching down. My wife and I are both W2 employees. And the book just kind of was like, wait, there's another way to like live life and go about this. And hopefully maybe I don't have to work till I'm 65 um, to have enough money to retire. So um, it was a little bit of a scary moment because I immediately had this this kind of mindset shift. Um, but obviously I was married. So my I was hoping my wife would be on board with all of this. Um, so I just asked her, I was like, hey, uh, can you just read this book and tell me what you think? Um, and luckily she's a really fast reader. So she read it in like a weekend and had the same light bulb epiphany moment of like, what the heck are we doing? We need to be thinking about doing things differently. Um, and so that was the beginning of our journey was just this like book that opened our eyes to another way of investing other options to invest ways to generate income while you sleep, passive income, all those keywords. Um, and so that was the start of our journey and, uh, I can keep going, or if you, you want me to pause there, uh, but I'm happy to, to keep going to kind of what we're doing now. 
No, it's good, man. What's uh, uh, I'm curious where you, so you got the, you saw the light with that yep. book, like so many people have. So, and you, you had the condo at the time? Yeah, so we lived in Philly, and again, we were like, hey, we are um, going to be here for a while, so instead of keeping paying rent, because, you know, rent was a, a four-letter word back then, you know, not not a good thing to be doing. You're just kind of throwing money uh, down the drain, so people say. Um, so we were like, hey, let's find a condo, and so we, we bought a condo for ourselves, our primary residence, and, uh, and then we read that book, and we're like, okay, well, we just sunk a bunch of our savings in that book. Uh, or into that that condo, and so, but we had some some money. Um, I've always grown up as a budgeter, a saver. Um, you know, I took that from my dad, um, and uh, and so I have. I had at that point, I had a little bit of money in the bank, and we're like, we need to find something to invest in. So we started looking in Philadelphia, um, and I didn't want to go down the single family investment route. I felt like that was too risky from the standpoint of only having one unit. So if that unit was vacant, you're on the hook for the full mortgage. So I was like, well, let's see if we can find two to four units. That way, at least we can spread our risk for our first investment amongst uh, a few different units, a few different tenants. And we looked in Philadelphia area for probably three or four months, um, put in a couple offers, had a couple accepted, pulled out of a few because of inspections. And then I just randomly Googled um, top real estate uh, areas to invest. And this is 2019. So the normal locations came up, Texas, Florida, Georgia, but then Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania popped up for whatever reason. And uh, my mother grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh is not in my backyard, but I had some affinity with the area. So I Googled real estate agents in, Philadelphia, in Pittsburgh. Literally, the first person I talked to, I explained who I was. I said, hey, I'm a new investor. I have a little bit of capital. I'm looking for an agent to partner with that they can help me find deals. Um and this guy was like, cool, I'm an investor myself. I'm pulling up to a flip right now. So let's rock and roll. And he would, I would look for deals on the MLS uh, or, or kind of on you know Zillow and all of that. He would go look at the, the units, the properties, take video and uh, you know essentially show me what the insides actually looked like and gave me some recommendations on, hey, this one's good, not in a great area, et cetera. In uh, about so May of 2019, we closed on a duplex in Pittsburgh, and the first time I saw the property live and in person was during during the inspection. So that was our first property that we bought, kind of sight unseen, so to speak. Um, we still have it to this day, and it's doing pretty well. Um, you know, we had some hiccups with COVID, um, just with tenants paying rent and all that stuff. But I underwrote it to have enough uh, juice in the deal to afford a local property manager. So. I don't deal with the tenants, the toilets, the trash, the midnight calls, any of that. Um, I have a property manager that handles all that stuff out in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, the 15th of every month, I get a little ding in my inbox. It says, hey, we've distributed some capital into your account. And uh, so it's all all gravy at this point. Uh, but that was our first deal. And that was uh, May of 2019. So that's a... Uh... That's awesome, man. Uh, getting into it like that, um, just kind of, you know. W- when did you read the um, finish reading that book? Uh, uh, it was probably mid, like mid to late summer of 2018. And at that point, we we were like, hey, we had our mindset shift, but we didn't have an, any idea of how to get started. So yeah. we stumbled upon like bigger pockets and other podcasts, and so we were just consuming a lot of content, a lot of podcasts, a lot of books, a lot of, uh, you know, YouTube and all of that. 
um, which was good and bad. It was good because it just gave us a lot of um, information on the different aspects of real estate. The challenge that we saw before we invested in our first deal and, even, and after we invested in our first deal was um, the shiny object syndrome. We were chasing, yeah. you know, we every every episode of the Bigger Pockets podcast had some expert um, that was really experienced in one aspect or one area of real estate investing, whether they were single family, burr, short term rentals, multifamily, whatever. And so, um, you know, for about six months after we bought that first deal, we were just like, "Ooh, let's try this. Let's try that." So we sent mailers out. We did all of the all of the things. Um, and when it didn't work in, in two seconds, we moved on to the next thing. But um, but then, like, if you, you, go ahead. Was, was that like direct to seller marketing that you were trying to do, trying to get into yeah. wholesaling stuff like that? Okay. Yeah, we didn't want to get into wholesaling necessarily. Uh, I think we probably would have done that if the opportunity presented itself. But we were really trying. The, the mailers were around. Um, we were reaching out to two to four unit owners that we bought lists for and just said, hey, we're willing to buy your property kind of a thing. Um, we got a few hits, but again, we literally tried it for, we probably sent out 200 mailers and we talked to probably four or five people. Um, so we did definitely didn't do our, uh, you know, put in enough time and effort, but, um, sure. but yeah, we were just trying things out. And then near the end of 2019 or kind of middle of 2019, after we bought that deal, I kind of started to really think about going bigger and syndications. And it was about that time where I was ready to kind of jump out and do my own thing. Um, and so we, after we bought that first deal, we moved out to the suburbs. So we kind of had a, an, an entire like lifestyle shift also. Um, so we owned this really nice condo in Philly and we were living downtown. And so we were like, okay, if we want to A, have me quit my job to start my recruiting business, full-time and to focus on real estate, we need to shrink our expenses as much as possible so that my wife's salary could pay for all the bills, pay for our lives. So at least our lives wouldn't feel like they changed a ton. Um, and so this is around the time where all my friends were buying houses, moving to the burbs, having kids. So they were going down that normal white picket fence W2 lifestyle. And we were doing the exact opposite. We were we were renting out our, we moved out to the burbs into a, an apartment, a much smaller and older apartment um, because it was cheaper and we only had one car. So we didn't get a second vehicle and we rented out our condo. Um, and at this time it was August of 2019 that we kind of started this transition. And then January of 2020, um, I had the bright idea that was the day and the time that I was going to quit my job, a very stable six-figure salary job as head of recruiting for a wealth management firm to just jump into the abyss of oh, starting a recruiting business and a real estate business uh, right as COVID was starting. So right. uh, that was a you know trial by fire, so to speak. I bet, man. Oh, man. And well, you made it out alive. You're yep. still doing both, man. So you, you, and you decided you, so you bought one uh, duplex, yep. right? And, and you're, which took you a year to do after the mindset shift to just get on the, and I, I found myself, man, I feel like the MLS is like now at this point, just overlooked by real estate investors. Yeah. Cause there's deals on there, man. And like everyone's looking for this direct to seller stuff and they're, they're busy with that on the phone all day, setting up their tech system, sending out their mailers. And I'm like, here's something that just popped on the MLS. looks great. Yeah. Let's put in an offer, you know? Um, so you got that one, that one deal and your, your, your next thought is like, cool, I'm ready to syndicate. <laughs> you know, and six yeah. months later, January hits and you're, 
you know, you walk away from your yep. job yep. January 2020 to start two new businesses. How yep. did how did it go with uh I mean, I don't know what I don't know which string to pull on first. So what happened? What happened? <laughs> what happened first, man? Did you syndicate a deal or did you start the recruiting business or did neither one of them even get off the ground before it's like March 2020 came around? Yeah, so luckily I had been doing recruiting um for 10 plus years at that point. So I had a good network and January and February were still okay. Like COVID was a word that people knew, but it definitely wasn't impacting our lives like it did, you know, a month later in mid-March, right? So right. so when I jumped out, I already had kind of irons in the fire and had companies that said essentially, let me know when you leave because I can I can use your assistance because I have a, had a brand uh, in the Philly market. Um, so January and February and even early March were, were kind of fine. Um, they kind of were a little bit what I expected. Um, I picked up some hourly consulting. I did some normal kind of recruit, contingent recruiting. Um, so that was fine. And then the from a real estate perspective, I realized pretty quickly coming out of 19 into 20, I started to un- start to underwrite these 100 plus unit apartment complexes and realizing that it's way more complicated to understand and underwrite these bigger deals, uh, way more difficult than it is to underwrite a two to four unit you know, a complex, right? So, and I also realized um, the one thing I liked about syndications was that I didn't have to have a ton of my capital into the deal if I was the deal finder, right? I could mm-hmm. I could say, hey, I've got this great deal. Who wants to, you know, invest with me and build a team? But I realized also I didn't know and have a an ecosystem of other real estate investors that wanted to kind of go along their syndication journey um, so, uh, February, 2020, I got into a, a coaching mentorship program, um, because also buying these bigger deals, you have to have net worth, you got to have track record with the brokers, uh, and the lenders. So, and I didn't have any of that. Um, and so I joined this mentorship program called think multifamily. Um, and that was my entry point into really digging into underwriting, um, and 2020 being, what it was recruiting was, you know, after March, it kind of fell off a cliff was very, very slow. Um, I, you know, I got through that year with the the help of some bourbon, uh, which was, uh, which was necessary throughout the year. Um, but, um, but I used that time that I would have been recruiting to, I underwrote over 200 deals that year myself, um, submitted a bunch of offers just to kind of get the motion and understand really how to underwrite these deals and understand what they, how they operate, what they look like, et cetera. Um, and we also passively invested in our first deal um, that year. I also wanted to invest in a deal ourselves so that when I started to bring deals out to my friends, family, my network um, to invest with me, I wanted to say, hey, I've already invested in, in a deal. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's the process. So I wanted to go through that motion. Um, and when you get into the real estate world, you realize there's so many opportunities um, that people don't normally think about to invest, like using an old 401k, rolling it into a self-directed IRA and investing with that capital. I had two um, previous companies that I'd worked for that had decent amounts of money in the 401k. And so did my wife. So we just rolled one of them into a self-directed and that's how we invested in our first deal. Um, And actually that deal just sold uh, late last year um, and did really well. Um, So exit. Yeah, well, it's one of the things we kind of, you know, you time the market a little bit um, because 2021 and two were 
fairly hot. And obviously this year has been uh, slower just because of the high interest rates and, and all of that. So, sure. um, so yeah, I used a lot of 2020 to really hone my skills on underwriting and, um, and really learning the syndication world um, so that I was prepared for once COVID kind of settled itself out and people were still, you know, starting to invest again and, and all of that. So, so you LP'd on a deal in, in 2020 then yep. with your, you took your, just, I want to make this clear for people too, cause I can't like stress this point up. So many people don't know about it. You have a, you had two old 401ks sitting with some employers, just doing their thing, yep. you know, and you took those and essentially were able to take complete control of them and put it into a, a multifamily, a, a large scale multifamily investment deal, a private investment, mm-hmm. right? Put together by other people on the streets that like the only way you get to know them is like if someone introduces you kind of yeah. like that type of investment, you would take that 401k and put it in there and essentially still enjoy all the same benefits that you get with 401ks by converting it to a self-directed IRA. Yeah, exactly. And we actually did. Um, so I took one of my old four. So we use two separate. There's two types of like self-directors that you can use, at least that I'm aware of. Right. You've got your custodial account, which means that you actually have they have to kind of approve the investment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, can, you, you can't invest in everything with your self-directed IRA. You can't invest in a property that you actively participate in. So you have to be a limited partner, right? So so one of the accounts that we used uh, for our first deal was a custodial account. So we had to submit all the PPM documentation. They had to sign it for us and, and all of that. And then I learned about the checkbook IRA, which essentially is, you know, you can c- control your destiny with that, with the simple writing of a check. So um, I converted my 401k into a checkbook self-directed IRA account and we invested in our second deal um, in early 2021, I think, with that. Uh, or it might have been late 2020. I can't remember uh, at this point. But, um, but yeah, so we, our first two investments that we did um, as LPs were through Self-Directed. And then 2021 was when we started to um, raise some money and participate as a general partner on some of these bigger deals. Nice, nice. So, twenty one, you start getting into actually being uh, a co GP, right? Yep. I, I, I take it. Yep. So, how'd you, how'd your first how'd your first deal go? Yeah, so it was nerve wracking to be completely transparent um, because I I had never one I didn't think I wanted to do that part of the business because I was always I'm an introvert by nature, so asking people for to invest in a deal that I'm bringing them uh, and I'm not asking them for ten or fifteen bucks, I'm asking them for you know, 50 to 100, 150, depending on what they're comfortable, you know, investing. So that was a, a nerve wracking proposition to come to some folks that I knew uh, that were friends, some that I knew that were, were savvy investors and just say, hey, I've invest- I'm investing in this deal. And that was the good thing is I had the capital to act to invest myself in the deal. Um, so I essentially said, hey, here's why I like the deal. Um, it, it was actually in uh, outside of Kansas City. Uh, in the, on the Kansas side. Um, and the benefit of that deal, it was 140 units, I think, across two properties that were right next to each other. Um, but the group that I'm in, the one of the general partners that found that, that deal also bought a deal the year prior, uh, right down the street. So it was, uh, we already had a proof of concept in the market. It was a very similar property. We were going to use the same property management company, et cetera, et cetera. So the story that I told investors in my kind of presentation to them um, was a pretty straightforward story. We have this 
property A that we the, the team bought a year before. Here's where rents were. Here's where they are now with this type of investment. We feel like we can do the same thing. Um, and so, you know, I didn't raise a ton of capital in that first deal, um, mainly because it closed literally in it filled up. I, I can't remember the number that we raised as a collective, but it filled up in like four days. So, um, so this is at the point where people had some pent up demand from 2020, not doing a ton of investments just because there wasn't a, a ton on the market. And yeah. so it was like, hey, we put it out to uh, you know our networks and literally we were fully subscribed, like I said, in like four days. So uh, it was a good experience from like, a, hey, I, got, I crossed that threshold. I was able to raise a little bit of money um, and kind of get that first co-GP check mark on my, my track record. Um, the deal has had its ups and downs throughout the last two, two and a half years, but uh, we're on the up and up at the moment. So it's, uh, it's been an okay deal. It hasn't been a rock star like we thought it was going to. Um, there's been some things that happened in the macroeconomics uh, landscape that have caused some issue because we were on variable rate debt. And that was way before people thought about rate caps and all of that yeah. fun stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, our, our debt service went, I think it at least doubled, um, you know, from the time that we bought it. So, um, so yeah, we've had some challenges for sure. Um, but we haven't had to do like a capital call or anything like that, which is, uh, you know, good from an investor standpoint. So, so yeah, Absolutely. that was the first deal. There's definitely some deals falling apart right now too. And some, I mean, we're starting to see some foreclosures, some bankruptcies because yeah. of that, you know, the, the, the holding cost exceeding the, 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 the rents ultimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, 2021 was such a hot market. Like I said, there was a lot of pent up demand from, you know, people not doing a ton of deals in 2020 and you had a lot of people having FOMO, right. Fear of missing out on an opportunity. Um, and, I know a lot of people that, you know, bought deals then that they're, they're feeling the pain, right? They're feeling more pain than, than what I'm experiencing with this, that deal, um, which is luckily, lucky for us. Uh, I've known a few folks um, in other syndication groups that, to your point, have felt more pain where they've had to do capital calls or they've had to bring in another investor and essentially recapitalize the entire stack. So, um yeah, so I don't think I don't think uh, the industry is out of the woods yet. There's a ton of variable rate debt that is, you know, typically they're on a two to three year term with a bridge lender, right? And so, yeah. you know, we're we're rapidly approaching refinance times, and if your debt service ratios aren't at where they need to be, or your occupancy isn't where it needs to be, you're not going to be able to get, you know, long term Fannie Freddie debt. So you only have a handful of options. Um, you know, and sometimes you don't want to go down certain paths. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're in the middle of it right now. I don't think that uh, assuming interest rates don't continue to tick up too much over the next kind of six, eight months. Um, I think there's still going to be some pain out there, uh, which could be a good buying opportunity. I'm, I'm definitely still oh, looking yeah. at deals because if you can make a deal pencil in this market, um, you know, if you're doing fresh debt, not essentially doing an assumption uh, of yeah. the existing loan, but if you can make fresh debt work. I mean, odds are in two to three years when you're going to refinance, it's going to be a lower interest rate than you're than you're in right, right. now, right? So right. Um, it should be a home run if, if things go to plan. So yeah, I think if you can find a deal now, it's it's awesome. No, agreed. And there's there's going to be more and more blood in the streets as we go, and lots of opportunity yeah. there, you know, for sure. Yeah. So have you have you done a um, have you done any deals since a, as a lead sponsor? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, so with recruiting in, in 2020 was slow, uh, very, very slow. Uh, but then just like real estate, 2021 was like gangbusters. I had 
more business than I could possibly handle. Um, so my priority shifted to focusing on the recruiting side. And uh, from a real estate perspective, I was still looking at deals and analyzing them, but I was spending more time trying to build my investor database uh, and investor network so that um, I could participate as a co-GP and help to raise some money and do some investor relations and, and all of that, um, just because I can make a lot of money from recruiting and then invest that into to real estate. So my my time commitment shifted a little bit where I was, uh, you know, kind of balancing both. But um, so, no, I have not been the lead. I have not found a deal. I've participated as co-GPs on four other deals. So uh, I think right now we're co-GPs in five deals across one, two, three, four, three, three markets, I think. Um, Jacksonville, Florida, Fort Worth, Kansas City. I feel like there's one more, but I think it's just those three markets um, that were, were co-GPs on on deals. Uh, I think it's over a thousand units or no, it's over 650 units at the moment. So, um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, you know, the thing that I enjoy about the capital raising uh, and participating uh, in these deals is I never had exposure to real estate as a, an investment vehicle at any point in my life until 2018, right? And so if I can in, bring an opportunity to somebody that may be in that same situation where they're, you know, they would love to have a little bit of passive income to help offset the expenses that are going up in their household, right? Um, and so if I can do that by just explaining to them what the power of real estate is, not only from, you know, uh, a passive income standpoint, but a wealth generation standpoint. Um, obviously, there's tax incentives and, and all of this stuff. So um, that's where I kind of enjoy it. I'm not a salesperson by any means. I don't sell people on deals and why they should invest. I explain to them the opportunity. And if they feel like it's a good investment for them, then then we can you know rock and roll and move forward. But um, that's what I really like. I started my own podcast um, to do that, to share the message. Um, so I applaud you what you're doing and trying to get the message out there to help people that may not have as much exposure to investing um, in alternative assets uh, outside right. of the stock market than, than the next person. So, um, so yeah, that's the part that I really like about it. I'm with you, man. I wish there, there's, there's such a gap of knowledge and, you know, among so many people that are just kind of stuck in their their w-2 especially with the golden handcuffs or high paying w-2 job and they just have they're just slowly watching their 401k tick up and then drop dramatically yeah. and you know so, so, you know some weird economic situation happens in like greece or whatever and no idea about these stable alternative investments you know that yeah i mean you know people talk about the, the security of a of a job Right. And, you know, I've experienced and worked in-house as a corporate recruiter for startups, um, for large Fortune 50 companies and, and kind of the three to 400 employee companies. And, you know, it may feel great getting a paycheck every other week or every Friday whenever you get paid. But ultimately, you're a, an expense on uh, somebody's uh, Excel document. Right. And so if they need to make their quarterly numbers for the street, you may be on the chopping block, no matter, no fault of your own. So, um, right. you know, I love the, you know, being your own bosses has its own challenges and own nerve wracking experiences and, and all of that. Um, but I literally put, if I put more effort in, I can make more money. Whereas if you put more effort into a job, you're typically going to make the same salary. So, sure. you know, 
the the security that people feel in a job sometimes is a false security um, because you could walk in on a Monday or a Friday and they say, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to have to let you go. And then you're on the market like a lot of people are right now, which is unfortunate. Um, and they're, you know, they're, their income stops, right? Once that, let's assume they get some severance, their income stops. And, you know, I talk a lot about like financial foundation and having, you know, the security blanket of having, you know, what, three to six months in, in, a, in a nest egg, right, of cash. But also if you have a couple thousand dollars of passive income coming in from some of your investments, how amazing would that feel if you lost your job? But you're like, oh, wait, I've got a couple thousand coming in from passive investments that I've made. Maybe that doesn't cover your full, you know, lifestyle expenses, but at least it doesn't have you dipping into savings as much, right? So, right, right. Um, so I think the that's the part that I'm excited about. Like I was a big saver; I was always a saver. I still save today. Um, and when the economy starts to fluctuate like it is right now, people hoard cash, which I'm not opposed to. I've been not investing as much as I probably should be at the moment. Um, but it feels good to have a little bit of money in the bank, um, unless it's, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, but <laughs> what happened to them a few weeks ago? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, as long as you're, you know, making sure that you're diligent uh, and, and looking at options, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think the real estate space, whether it's syndications or multifamily or, you know, even single family or short term rentals, it's a great place to be and, you know, generate some income and, you know, also generate wealth. I mean, in five years, you went from reading a book, right, being largely like most people are, um, yep. completely ignorant of like even the, what a syndication is, who who the heck buys these 600-unit apartment complex, yep. right? You have no idea. You just think it's like the richest of rich people, not right. just like you and me, you know, <laughs> like yep. a whole bunch of yous and me's out there. Um, and so in five years, if I heard that correctly, you're, you're what? You're, you're involved in 600 doors now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, as a, as a general partner, we've got more from a passive standpoint. Like we've, like I said, we've invested in other deals just passively. But yeah, from a general partnership standpoint, six, uh, I think it's like six fifty two or something like that. And what about um, from your your passive side too? What's that? What about from the passive side too? That you're in your I think LP. We're over a thousand in that space. So you know, we're we're steadily growing. Like there's a lot of people out there that you know grow way faster than what we did. And, and that's fine. That's their journey. Um, you know, I'm a risk averse person by nature. So, you know, the thought of, you know, the first time I put $50,000 in cash, not, not a self-directed, but $50,000 in cash into a deal. Um, you know, I had some heart palpitations when I was clicking that <laughs> wire submit button. Right. So, sure. um, um, but then once you start to see some, some income come in and you realize like, okay, yes, yeah, so I put this into a, let's call it a five-year hold, right? So you're you're locked up, it's non-liquid for five years. But, you know, assuming things go somewhat the plan, you're going to get some trickles of cash flow in the meantime, right? And then yeah. you're going to hopefully get that $50,000 back plus some friends. And so then you take all of that money that you've accumulated and put that, call it 75, if, they're, if their number's are right, you're supposed to double your money, right, in five years. So let's say you get between 75 and 100,000, well, that, now you take that and put it in another deal, right? And then it just compounds and compounds. Yeah. And, yeah. But yes, real estate is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You're not going to, you know, my $50,000 investment at first deal is not going to turn into a million tomorrow. Um, but it also, theoretically, isn't going to go to zero tomorrow either, right? Um, it's get rich for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not get rich quick. quick. You know, it's, but it's get rich. rich. But, you know, I've got 
you know, that when we started, um, and I'll call it probably around like 2020, when we got into the syndication group, um, I was like, okay, I've got, um, I think it was an eight-year plan because I wanted, by the time I'm 45, I'm like, okay, I want to be, have enough passive income that it covers my, our living expenses. So that gives us the freedom to do the type of work that we want with whoever we want from wherever we want. So, you know, people talk about financial freedom and, you know, I think there's a, a few layers of financial freedom, but that's kind of layer level two. If, if I'm like, you know, covering my bases, my lifestyle really doesn't change, but I don't have to be actively working, actively recruiting yeah. or actively looking for deals. Like there's enough coming in that supports our life. And then, you know, imagine if you could say I'm, quote unquote, retired by the time I'm 45, like everybody would love that, you know? Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of the plan that we're on. Again, it's not a, I wish it went faster. I wish you, I wish I had a lot more money that I could just throw into more deals. Um, but you know, you work with what you got and you keep moving forward. So it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. Well, the nice thing is it is more of like an X, it's not really linear growth with real estate. It is exponential where it's like yeah. flatter, on the bottom in the initial years. And then at some point you just, you're up here and, and you can literally, you're just like, just throw it. You can just, there's not enough deals for your money. You know? right. And that's, that's what the, it turns that's into. The, that's the theoretical long-term fun part, right? Is like, you just become an investor. You just have this nest egg of money that is generating you income that if once a deal sells and you get that money back, plus some friends, you have to figure out what to do with that. So that's your, that hopefully in the, in a few years, that's my biggest concern is where do I now put this chunk of money? Right. Yeah, and it's like, right. okay, I need to find a deal. And that's, that's part of what I'm doing now is building the relationships with the, the more active um, deal hunters out there because there's a million and one syndicators out there, which is good and bad. There's no uh, certification or credentials that you need to get to be a multifamily syndicator. Um, right. Same thing with recruiting. There's a ton of recruiters out there, a lot of bad ones. And same thing with syndications. Like there's a lot of people um, that I lost uh, deals to, and I don't know who they are, um, but I know there's obviously people that won deals that I bid on that I was investing final on. And I may have lost out on a $15 million deal by call it a million or 2 million. Well, that was in 2021. Those are the people that I'm like, okay, well, let me know when that deal is going to come back around because if they underwrote it, similar to how I underwrote it, they're not going to be able to achieve their their numbers because not they overpaid it and maybe they're undercapitalized. Yeah. And so um, going back to what we talked about earlier, I think there's there's some going to be some blood in the water here in the next uh, you know handful of months. So um, so yeah, I'm just I'm a patient. I'm a very risk averse person, like I said. So my underwriting is conservative, which conservative is the most overused word in the syndication world. Everybody's underwriting is conservative. Um, but, you know, I'd rather lose a deal than buy a bad one. So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So what's uh, are, are you you know, what's on the horizon? Are you are you strictly sticking to multifamily? I heard you mention single family short term rentals as well. Or are you just kind of keeping your eye open for for whatever are you considering fund of fund uh, structure? Like, what are you, what are you looking to do next? Yeah. I'm in this point right now where multifamily is a little bit in flux. Right. Um, and so I'm starting to look at short-term rentals as uh, an active investor. So um, I'm looking at a few myself. I've talked to a few people that do 
short-term rental management um, because obviously I don't want to have to manage the, the properties and all of that fun stuff. So uh, I'm starting to peel back the onion on short-term short-term rentals. Um, I'm as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm talking to other operators, other syndicators that syndicate other asset classes. Um, so hotels, um, self-storage. Um, I don't love short uh, single family uh, necessarily. Just it's, it's slower in my mind. Um, so I haven't really dug into like just buying a house and then renting it and then buying another house and renting it. Um, but uh, if somebody has like a portfolio and they're like, Hey, we need to exit. And then you can buy a portfolio of single family. That's similar to like a multifamully deal, right? If assuming you're in yeah. the same geography. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, and the other thing that I'm looking at is smaller multis. Um, so call it 15 to 30, 40 units, which typically a syndicator isn't going to go after because they're too small. Um, and a, an individual, um, typically they're bought by, doctors, people that have a lot of money and they just need to put it in some, some type of investment. Um, so I have a few, um, people that would be like general or, um, joint venture partners with me on that, where we would just buy the asset. Um, and that would be like a very long term hold, not a, not a syndication. We wouldn't think about flipping it in five years. We would more or less look at that as like, that's just going to be cash flow for the next 10, 20 years. Um, so I'm, I've got my eyes open for a few of those in, in specific markets uh, as far as that goes. So, so yeah, I'm keeping my options open. I still think syndication is great. I'm still going to be a passive investor in that for sure. I'll still raise money on those deals when they come around and help to you know do some investor relations and all of that stuff on that. But um, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, other other assets for sure. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, excited to uh, to continue to see your journey, man. And you know over the the coming months and years as, yeah. as this market keeps shifting. That is, I, I can't, um, I mean, you played it down so humbly, but like five years, 1600 doors that you have an ownership interest in. Yeah. That's, that's what's possible in this world. Right. And, yeah. and moving into the problem of not, how do I get the money to buy it, to be a part of this, but where do I put my money to continue to be a yeah. part of this, man? That is, that's awesome, man. So th thanks for coming on and telling your story. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's, uh, we're actually in the, the midst of, uh, where we put the money from our first deal that sold. Cause we've only had one go full cycle. So, um, so we got some money back, which was great. And it's in the self-directed IRA just sitting there. So now we're like, so uh, okay. that's why I'm looking at all these other operators to be like, okay, I've got some cash. Who, yeah. where, where can I put it? So, um, for sure. It's a good problem to have, but it is a problem. You need to deploy that capital so it's you know so it's growing. Absolutely, absolutely. If someone wants to work with you in any capacity that you mentioned, um, giving you money or finding you deals, um, yeah. whatever, right? How? What's the best way for uh, people to get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Um, that's where I live. Uh, my recruiting business is Hire Tomorrow. So if anyone needs any help hiring people, uh, I'm always happy to help. But our real estate um, website is GreatVentureCapital.com. Easy way to go find me there. Uh, but LinkedIn's the best. Um, just search for me and I'll come up. I, I post a lot about recruiting. I post a lot about real estate. So, uh, And I've got my own podcast. So check out Work Hard, Invest Harder podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciate you having me on for sure. Absolutely. Cool. We'll have to do it again. Maybe I can stop by your show sometime. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, thanks again, man. It's a pleasure having you. No worries. Thank you.